Today's lesson is uh, the third installment of a series of lessons that we've been doing on God's family. And actually it goes to a further series of uh, just looking at um, how the family of God looks from the outside, what it looks like from the inside, especially um, what we are to be as God's people. Uh, so today we're, we're looking at this song written by Lanny Wolf with that title, God's Family. And we've looked at the, the first and the second stanzas already. And to begin with, I want to, to just share those thoughts with you briefly, and then we'll get into the lesson for today. The first stanza reads, We are part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no end. For Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home. We learned that we are a family. Not just Marcel family. Not just um, uh, really a, a church family even. Um, but we are. We come together and we form a family as part of God's church. Um, we are a family of Christians and we have things in common. Uh, just as a, a physical family would share things in common such as, as the name um, and commonality of blood. Um, we, we share in some commonality as well. We share the same father. Uh, we do share the same name as Christians. We share in a lot of different things. Uh, we are a family that is formed in love and which manifests or demonstrates love. We are a family that is saved by the grace of Christ. And we are a family that is not looking to make a home in this world, but is preparing an eternal home. Laying up for them, themselves treasures in heaven. We looked at the second stanza of the song. When a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. When he's passed through the valley, we all feel relief. Together in sunshine, together in rain, together in victory through his precious name. Again, we are a family, and there are some things that we share. Not just the, the, the physical aspects, but also internal aspects as well. Emotional, spiritual aspects. We are a family that faces the good and the bad together. The sorrows as well as the joys of life. And all of this we do together. We ultimately face the end together, knowing that one day will be the end of our own journey on this earth. We see loved ones that pass from this life, but we also recognize that we will one day pass from this life in some way. Even if Christ comes for us before we die, we know that we will pass from this life. It's a truth that, that is something that, that is true for all of us. No matter when we die, no matter who we are, death will come. Death to this life. Life comes with it, but death will come. 
Being together reminds us that we are never alone in this life. Not only is God with us, but God expects us to be in each other's company. Always. He wants us to associate with one another. He wants us to be together and in, in sharing together our lives, being an encouragement to one another, comforting one another, edifying one another, rejoicing with one another. Those are all things that we share throughout our lives together. Certainly that is what God wants of us, and it's what He expects of us as Christians. But today we get into the third stanza, the final stanza of the song, the final lesson of this series, and hopefully, hopefully, we hope to be able to assemble together next week. I hope that, that the sermon next week will come from the pulpit, and uh, we'll share with that, that with you online as well. Um, but we, we do look forward to that opportunity, Lord willing. Next week is a long way away in, in so many ways, but uh, we do look forward to that opportunity. We begin with point number one. Goodbyes on earth are not eternal. Goodbyes on earth are not eternal. For a Christian, we share in the knowledge that the, the, the temporary goodbyes that we share today they do not last forever. And though some go before us, we'll all meet again. Just inside the city as we enter in. Some do go before us. Who have you lost in this life? Uh, who have you lost that was of great significance to you? One of the greatest losses that I have ever experienced was my grandfather because we were so close. And, and still, he lives on in memory. And there are so many things that I remember, so many things that I remember that he taught me, uh, things that, that were uh, of great importance and still are of great importance today. And I know that, that my dad and I both share in this. I, I think both of us have, have reminisced that, that most of our sermons have included him in them. And I think that's a great commentary to his life because he, he lived such a faithful life. And he did set such a good example for me to live by. And, and I, I follow that example daily. And I still remember him and, and still... Uh, I look back to the good times. I remember those. I have those memories. But the greatest thing that I have is the lessons that he shared with me. Uh, that was a great loss in my life. As a preacher, I, I think I mentioned this last week that, that I've only done one funeral. But the funeral that, that, that I officiated, so to speak, uh, it was that of a Christian, a faithful child of God, and those are the easiest funerals to do. It's much harder to do a funeral for someone who is unprepared. Um, and even in noticing some of the of those that have passed in my life, there are many funerals that I've attended of people who were unprepared. 
and it's a very sad thing. Um, you can celebrate their life, and that's something that, that is hard, but it is something that I've recognized over the last few years. But, but it's much harder to celebrate the life knowing the eternity uh, is not what you would hope it to be. But our hope is that goodbye in this life is not a forever goodbye. For some it will be. But for those that are closest to us or should be closest to us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, these goodbyes do not last forever. They are not eternal. And that's something that we, we recognize. It's something that we share in and something that we rejoice in. We are a saved family. I'm going to borrow some notes from um, a couple of weeks back. We are a saved family. Those of us that are Christians are saved. We're saved by God's grace. We are saved by Christ and our faith in Him as the Son of God. We are saved by Christ's blood. We are saved by Christ's authority. We are saved by our own faith. And all of these things together. And ultimately we are justified by our works. As the Jews were told to repent and be baptized for the remission or forgiveness of their sins. In Acts 2.38. So we are saved. Just as they were told to do, so we are told to do. And when we are obedient, all of these things come together. And they, they contribute to our salvation. And though it seems that most of the work in our salvation is already accomplished by Christ, and much of it is, by His grace, by His sacrifice, again by His blood and His authority, there is still something that we must do. There is something that we must contribute to our salvation, and that is obedience to the will of God. Repentance, confession of faith in Christ, baptism for the remission of sins. And having been saved, we are now responsible for our own faithfulness to God. We must remain faithful. If we fail to remain faithful in this life, then, then we've lost it all. And so we must also remain faithful. We have evidence in Scripture of those that have fallen away or those who had fallen away. And we recognize that we also can fall away from salvation if we are not careful. And so we are responsible for our own salvation in a way as well. I want us to look here at, at Paul's words of comfort. And though some go before us, we'll all meet again. Those who are saved, those who have salvation, have done what is necessary to be saved, we will all meet again. And that's a great blessing that, that we enjoy. And looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we see that Paul wanted to he wanted to give them a message a message of comfort uh there were some things that they worried about 
the Thessalonians were concerned for those who had already passed from this life concerning the resurrection of the dead. They had those concerns, and Paul wanted to ease their fears in a sense. And so we have the, the words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 13 through 18 that we read a moment ago. I want to read them again. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Pay particular attention to the latter part of verse 17 and into verse 18. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. I want you to notice that we will all be caught up together, even with those who have already passed from this life, those that we love, those that we care about. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Going back to the words of our song, though some go before us, we'll all meet again. This is a great truth from scriptures that we will all meet one day. Those of us that are saved, those of us that, that are Christians, those of us that have remained faithful, we will all meet again. Will be gathered to the Lord, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Those who are saved by the blood of Christ and by their obedience to Christ's plan have nothing to fear. We may fear a lot of things, and mostly I think we fear what is unknown. But but we really have nothing to fear because we know that, that the Lord will, will be there that our loved ones will be there. And, and we can look forward to that. <clears throat> and so in verse 18, Paul says, Comfort one another with these words, because there was nothing to fear in regard to death. Like the Thessalonians were, were they had some worries about all of this, but again, mostly what was unknown. But Paul shared with them this truth so that they might use these things to comfort one another. And so we can be comforted and we can comfort one another with these same words. But we move on to point number two. What will and won't be 
in heaven. What will and won't be in heaven. There will be no more parting with Jesus will be together forever God's family. Some of the greatest blessings about heaven is what won't be in heaven. For one, there will be no more parting. Never more will we say goodbye to one another. When we reach heaven, when we are with God forever, it is forever. And we won't have to say goodbye. Goodbyes are hard. They're painful. They, they produce within us a great deal of emotion. Um, but when we get to heaven, those things are past. New heavens, new earth, a new Jerusalem. That's what we're told about in Revelation chapter 21. Everything will be new in heaven. It'll be completely different from anything that we've ever experienced in this life. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says this, and we'll deal with uh, verse 3 in a moment. We're going to come back to that. But let's look at verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In heaven there will be no reason for sorrow or crying. And there are many unknowns in regard to that. What about those who were lost? Uh, will we recognize that they are lost? Will we recognize that they aren't there? You know, a lot of this is, is again, uh, unknown to us. I, I believe that, that really there will be no reason for sorrow. And I don't know what our feelings are going to be. I don't know what our existence in heaven is going to be like exactly. But there will be no reason for these things. No reason for sorrow or crying. No pain, inward or outward, no more pain. The, the, the things that we suffer in this life, whether it be physical ailments or, or whether it be something internally, uh, spiritual pain, so to speak, uh, those things are gone. There is no reason for sorrow or for crying. We are together forever, God's family. With Jesus, we'll be. There'll be no more parting. With Jesus, we'll be. In Revelation 21, let's go back and pick up verse 2 and read into verse 3. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and be their God. 
verse 7, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Those are, are comforting words. Uh, the tabernacle of earth, and we're going to the Mars Hill congregation as we get into some of our later sermons uh, we are studying the Old Testament and we're going through the Old Testament books and and in the next few weeks Lord willing uh, as we plan to begin our Sunday evenings whenever we do that uh, we haven't exact, exactly decided on how we are going to meet next week if we're just going to do morning or if we're going to try to do all of our services we're not sure about that but when we get back to our Sunday evening study, we're going through the books of the Old Testament. And there's a great deal uh, in Leviticus and Numbers especially uh, about the tabernacle and, and certain commands that were given in regard to the tabernacle. We're going to look at that later on. So there's more to come on that. But the tabernacle of earth, was basically where God met with his people through the service of priests set apart for their particular work. Uh, this is where God met with his people. Well, the tabernacle of heaven is similar but different because it's not a physical tabernacle like what we are told about in the Old Testament. But it was, the, the tabernacle of heaven is going to be more of a spiritual tabernacle. But it's still going to be where God meets with us. And so, uh, one thing that I wanted to share with you is a different rendering of verse 3. This is from the English Standard Version. And there are other new, newer translations that, that say it in, in a similar way. But verse 3 of Revelation 21 from the English Standard says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The dwelling place of God is with man. I think that helps us to understand it a little bit better. It's not the tabernacle in the sense that, that it was experienced on the earth in the Old Testament, but it is the dwelling place of God. This is where God will meet with us, dwelling with us always, forever. It will never end. So, going back to that line in the song, there will be no more parting with Jesus. We'll be. We will be. It is forever. It is where God meets with us. And certainly he is there. What is the worst punishment of hell? You know, there are many things that were told about hell. The, the torment, the fire, um, there are so many things, so many things that describe it for us. But what is the worst punishment of hell? To me, 
The answer is the absence of God. The absence of God. Knowing that God is not with us. Knowing that God is not in our presence. Knowing that we are apart from Him. I believe that is the worst punishment of hell. Matthew 7 verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he, who dwell, or but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. And even worse than never knowing them is that he will never know them. How do I know this? Well, hell is reserved for, for different individuals that we have listed in Scripture. Matthew 25 and verse 41 tells us that it is reserved for the devil and his angels. In 1 Peter 4 verses 17 and 18, it is reserved for all evil of all ages. It is reserved for the disobedient. Romans 2, verses 8 and 9. And since we're there, let's look at Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It is reserved for those that are mentioned here. In Revelation 21, verse 8, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. That's one that stands out, doesn't it? It doesn't quite fit with the rest of the list. Liars? It is reserved for them too. It is reserved for erring members of the church, those who have fallen asleep according to 2 Peter 2, verse 4, and also verses 20 through 22. It is reserved for those who have never obeyed. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. Hell is reserved for all of these people throughout all of the ages. But did you notice there is no reservation for Jesus. There is no reservation in hell for God. So the worst punishment of hell that I could imagine is the absence of God. There is no place for Him because He has no place with evil, with sin, 
He can have nothing to do with those things. He doesn't tempt us for that reason because He can have nothing to do with these evils. There is no place in hell reserved for holy God. We want to be in heaven though. And that's the theme of this lesson is to be in heaven. And so we have the words of this song. Though some go before us, we'll all meet again just inside the city as we enter in. There'll be no more parting with Jesus will be together forever, God's family. I want to close by recognizing the fact that the day of the Lord will come. And let's go back to where we began in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and beginning with verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5 beginning with verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. We know this. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. There are those that are mentioned, I believe it's in Second Peter chapter 3, uh, where it talks about the end of time, the destruction of the world. There are those that say that Jesus is delaying his coming. Peace and safety. And then it'll come, unexpected by many. And they shall not escape. Verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. And again, those words of verse 11 very similar to the words of chapter 4 and verse 18. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. If you get a chance today, I did this when I was studying this. I've never really noticed this before, but in this chapter, in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, there's a contrast, a back and forth contrast between light and darkness, between good and evil, the way that we should be as opposed to the way that we are not to be. We as Christians, we know that the day of the Lord is coming. We know that it's going to happen and we can prepare for that day. 
We are not to be caught off guard in regard to the coming of Christ. But instead, we are to be ready, waiting, and watching. And maybe you might want to go back and underline those verses that, that speak of, of the, the way that we should be in opposition to the way that we are not to be. Uh, but there's a, a good back and forth contrast there. Something very interesting, at least to me. But again, we are to be ready, waiting, and watching always. We are to be ready for the coming of Christ. He is going to come. We'll be together to meet Him in the air, and it's going to be a great, great day. It's also going to be a very sad day for those that are unprepared. This will be a perfect time for the, that song as an invitation song. There's a great day coming, right? The Thessalonians were already comforting and edifying one another. And they were to, to continue in so doing. And we are to comfort and edify one another. We are to continue in those things as well. And I hope that we do. Let's be ready for the day of the Lord. It is going to come. And I pray that we are found faithful so that we can be together in heaven with God, with Christ, with each other forever. But the only way that we're going to reach heaven is if we remain faithful till the end. And so I encourage you, if you've not become a child of God, if you have need in, in regard to obedience, if you need to study, or if we can assist you in being baptized for the remission of your sins, then please let me know. Let us know. We, we want to know that. We want to, to, to help you in that area. Uh, if we can, can help you in, in returning to faithfulness, maybe you've wandered away from God and maybe you need to come back, then please let us do so. Uh, let us know and, and we'll be glad to take care of that need for you. You don't have to wait until we come back together on Sunday next week, Lord willing. Um, you can do that today, and we would encourage you to do that today. But make sure that your soul, that your heart is right with God today, while the present is, is the present. We aren't guaranteed future. We don't know what's going to happen even in regard to this day. This day may end for us eternally, and we need to be ready if that be the case. Whether Jesus comes for us, whether something tragic happens to us, may we always be ready. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given to us, and we thank you for this day, and we again thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. We pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us in our understanding, help us to, to be comforted by the words that you have shared with us today. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to keep them in memory and help us to, to improve our, our lives as, as Christians. Help us to be better. Help us to be stronger. And help us to do, the, do those things that bring glory and honor to you, that shine your light in this world of darkness. We pray that you would continue to bless those who are sick, those who are suffering in any way. Care for them. 
And we pray, Father, that you would help us to, to uh, again, just to be the people that, that you would have us to be. Help us to live our lives for you. Help us to show others your love. Help us to, to spread the gospel. Any time that we have the opportunity, help us to, to take advantage of that opportunity. And again, to use it to your glory. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful for his sacrifice for us. We're, we're thankful for everything that he means to us. And we pray that you would bless us with safety throughout this day, throughout our lives. Help us to love always. It is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. Thank you for being with me today. And I hope to be back with you again very soon. But until we meet again, may God bless you.